because I just worked over half and I just walked. Oh, okay. So. All right. Well, thank you for coming, the two of you that were able to come. Um, my name is Erin, and I am a fourth year PharmD student, so over at the pharmacy school, just over on 12th and Cannon, and I will be done in six days, not that I'm counting. Hi, how are you? I was just introducing myself. My name is Erin, and I'm a fourth year PharmD student over at the College of Pharmacy. And um, I'll be graduating in June. So, Marianne, uh, who works over at Managed Healthcare, she asked me to do this uh, presentation about medication adherence since I will be a pharmacist, and it's an area of interest for me. And it's also kind of a hot topic right now in healthcare in general, just because, as you all know, if you don't take your medication, you're not going to get better. And you're, it's, it's associated with many different problems, um, increased healthcare costs and whatnot, which we'll kind of touch on today as well. So, and then if you have questions at the end, um, I'll be happy to answer any questions that you have as well. Okay. So this is just a quote, just to get things started. So it seems obvious, but um, adherence is a really complex issue. So just keep that in mind as we go through. And some questions for you to think about, just um, in other adherence groups that I've done, just what are some things that make you maybe not want to take your medications? Do you know what the benefits of your medications are? Um, working in retail pharmacy for seven years, I can't tell you how many times people have come in and they say, well, I think, you know, I have diabetes, but I don't really know what this medication is specifically for. And we want you guys to, as patients, to be as educated as you can be about your medication. So that's just something to keep in mind as well. And then how do you remember to take them? Because we all know that that's challenging, especially if you have more than one. And this is just kind of an organizational outline of what we're going to cover today. So we're just going to define adherence. And then we're going to talk about um, what the World Health Organization thinks comprises adherence, basically. So you know it's a big deal if the World Health Organization is talking about it and spending time defining it. Um, then we'll talk about some statistics, just what other people in the country and researchers have found about adherence in general. And then why is it important? Um, predictors of poor adherence, barriers to adherence, things that get in the way as far as patient side, the provider side, the health system side, because we all know there, it's a complex issue. There's lots of different things that can be barriers. And then, of course, what you guys are hopefully here for are the tips to improve the adherence. So, and maybe you guys can tell me some ways that you remember to take your medications and things like that as well. So, because it's just, it's really patient specific. So the definition, what's medication adherence? It's typically defined as the extent to which a patient follows a medication regimen as prescribed by their doctor. So when you signed up for your lunch and learn, I think it said non-compliance. So we're kind of moving away from that term compliance because it's a one-sided term. It's kind of considered outdated by most healthcare professionals right now. Because what we really want it to be is a patient-centered approach and one that is partnership between your healthcare provider, your physician, your nurse, and you as well. Um, compliance is more just like, here's a prescription, I want you to take it, and that's what you should do. So we're kind of moving away from that. Um, there's still people that don't like the term adherence, there's nothing perfect about that, but um, that's as, as good as we can come up with right now. So, And it's influenced by many different factors, so there's patient issues, um, practices of your physician and the healthcare team that you're involved with, your insurance or healthcare system, and I think you guys are pretty fortunate in Ohio State. Most medications are covered. You have an open formulary as far as your prescription drug um, coverage is concerned, so that's really good. There's still some issues that can come up there, of course. 
and then your social support and environment because researchers have figured out that people that have a good social support, um, be it your friends, your family, whoever, tend to do better at taking their medication and have better disease outcomes overall versus people that don't. So. And the bottom line is, as you all know, you can only get the full benefit of your medication if you take it as prescribed. And these are just a few general notes about medication because we're going to focus on chronic diseases. Um, acute diseases are kind of a different thing. If you have a sinus infection, it's going to be a lot different than if you have to take eight different medications for diabetes per day. So I always like to encourage people to be patient and to hang in there because a lot of times, a lot of the medications take a while to work. Um, people with depression, you know, it takes four weeks to see a peak effect when they're taking an antidepressant for an episode of clinical depression. And that's really frustrating if you're the patient because you want to see that change right away. You want to feel better, but it's just something to keep in mind. And then in certain disease states, it's really, really important to take your medication at the right time and the correct number of tablets or pills or however you guys are taking it, injections. Um, HIV is an example of that versus some other chronic conditions like diabetes or high blood pressure. If you miss a dose or two, it's probably going to be okay. Um, so that's something that we have to consider as well, just depending on the severity of the disease. And then a lot of the side effects that really frustrate people, they usually go away. If you take something, um, say you start metformin, which is used for type 2 diabetes, a lot of people have a lot of GI upset initially, stomach problems, and that doesn't make you want to take your medication if you feel like throwing up after you take it. But um, typically, as the case is with metformin, in a few weeks to a month, those will typically subside. So just trying to encourage you guys, if you have to take anything and you notice something that's bothersome, you know, give it a while unless it's something really serious right away that you need to talk to your doctor about. And then if one medication doesn't work, there's a bevy of other ones to try. For most of the chronic disease states, there's a bunch of different classes of medications, different ways to target the diseases. So it's, it's really just important to communicate with your healthcare team and figure out what different options are for you. And then interactions are a big deal too because a lot of times maybe you start a new medication and your doctor doesn't know for whatever reason that you're taking vitamins or maybe you have another doctor that you see for something else, a rheumatologist for arthritis, and they don't have the chance to communicate so they maybe don't know all the medications that you're taking. So adding that new medication might make you feel bad or it might affect the other medication. So it's very important to kind of um, keep a record of everything you're taking including the over-the-counter products and herbal products as well. So we'll just briefly touch on these. I just thought it was interesting that the World Health Organization um, wanted to spend, there's actually a large article that they have, um, which I found off of their website, um, that discusses these. But the basic um, three pillars that they have defined, as far as adherence is concerned, is the patient information. So what information do you have, be it from the pharmacy, from your doctor, things that you've looked up on the internet, um, motivation, which they consider to be the most important, as you would expect, because it's been shown to affect long-term behavior changes, and then your behavioral skills. And they kind of talked about things like being able to plan ahead. Um, if you're going out of town, are you going to have enough medication to get you through that trip? How do you adapt to changes um, in our busy lives, busy schedules um, that can affect how your medication is taken? So these are just some, just some tidbits of information that you can use, um, facts and statistics about adherence. So as we've kind of already touched on, there's a higher adherence rate in acute, so if you have that sinus infection versus chronic diseases like diabetes and hypertension, 
um, acute illnesses tend to accompany, have accompanying problems. So you have a fever or you're coughing all the time. So you want to take them because you feel bad and you know that you only have to take an antibiotic for a week versus if you have a chronic disease, you may have to take it for forever. So um, they've actually determined that after six months, patients tend to exhibit signs of poor adherence. So if you start that diabetes medication, you find out you have diabetes, you're like, okay, I really want to do a good job. I want to take my medication. I want to get my labs where my doctor wants them. And then after six months, you're kind of like, okay, I'm tired of taking this. Maybe it's expensive. Maybe I don't like the side effects. Um, so that's kind of the cutoff point where they've seen um, adherence rates decrease. And just as an example of that, 50% of patients that take antidepressants for their first episode of clinical depression won't be taking them after three months. So they really haven't been taking the medication long enough to get the full effectiveness because, at least in the case of depression, the minimum treatment for the first episode is usually one year, just as an example. So they really haven't seen the full effect of that medication yet. And then, as you also might expect, adherence decreases as the number of medications increases. So eight medications is a lot harder to deal with than one or two that are once a day or twice a day versus ones that are multiple times a day. So they've done a lot of research about adherence, but it's very hard to compare all of the studies that have been done because they measure it in different ways. There's two ways that usually researchers will me measure adherence. So direct measurements is like taking um, a blood level of maybe an anticonvulsant for seizure medications in the bloodstream to determine if there's a, enough drug in the body that you can basically say, okay, this person must be taking their medicine because their level is therapeutic. It's, it's in a range that we generally associate with therapeutic um, outcomes. Then there's also um, indirect methods, which are things like putting um, electronic sensors on pill bottles. So every time a person opens the pill bottle, they say, oh, that person's taking that medication. But we know that there's problems with both of those things because a direct method people's bodies metabolize medications differently. So just because somebody has a therapeutic level of a drug doesn't mean that they've been taking their medication at the right time and in the right manner. And then with the indirect methods, if people know, because it's unethical to mo not monitor, you know, to not tell people they're being monitored, they know that they're being watched, so to speak. So, um, you know, people want to do a good job. They want it to look like they are taking their medication. So, they have found, as you might expect, that those kinds of measurements tend to overestimate people's adherence because they could take the pills out and not take them or just take one and not the other for whatever reason. So, And then the rates of adherence can range anywhere from zero, where you're not taking anything, to over 100%. Because, you know, maybe you forgot if you took something. You were supposed to take it in the morning and then you remember later and you're like, eh, did I take that for my blood pressure? Um, and that can cause problems too, of course. And then just for chronic disease states, the rates that have been reported generally for adherence have been between 40 and 75%. So it's a pretty wide range. So 75%, you might say, okay, well, that, that's probably not too bad. But 40% is really low. I mean, those, those people are not seeing the full benefit of their medication because um, for most chronic disease states, you want at least 80% adherence, or if not more. Um, Diseases like HIV, they actually um, look for a compliance or an adherence level of 95%. So it just kind of depends on the disease state. And then they've also determined that omitting the dose or delaying the dose are the most common ways that people um, have problems remembering their medication. So you have a busy day and you just completely forget it, or you remember something you were supposed to take you know, in the morning at night. So. 
And then white-coated adherence is another phenomenon that they oftentimes see, which is sort of like what we were talking about with the six-month drop-off point for the chronic disease states because people don't want their doctors to be like, oh, are you taking your medication? And if you start taking it again a week before the appointment, you can say, oh, yes, I've been taking it for the last three days. You can leave that part out. Um, and then, you know, after you get labs back, the doctor might say, oh, I really want you to work on this. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do that, doctor. And then a week later, you're like, okay, I don't want to take that anymore. So that's a common thing that they see as well. And then increased dosing frequency is associated with poor adherence. So this chart's just a little visualization, but you can see that um, the four times a day, that's really hard to do because three times a day, at least you can maybe try to do it with breakfast, lunch, and dinner. But after that, I... I had antibiotics that I had to take four times a day, and it, it's so hard to do. You basically have to carry it around or put a sticky note on your hand so you remember because it just it's hard to incorporate into people's lifestyles. So you can see that the rate of adherence there is just over 70% at four times a day versus you know 93 or 94 with once daily because most everybody can remember to take the one pill. So And even two and three times a day, there's not a huge difference in the rate, but it's really that four times a day where people start to kind of drop off. So. So some patterns that researchers have seen, this is kind of interesting, they divided it into um, six. So one-sixth of the population that they measured took few or none of their doses, but they give that good impression. So those are those white, folk, white coat adherence people. Um, another sixth have nearly perfect adherence, so that's encouraging. And then another sixth, they, um, drug holidays are when you take um, no medications for three or more days. So they saw a sixth of the population taking drug holidays each month or more. And then another six taking drug holidays three to four times each year. And, you know, maybe those folks are just going out of town or something comes up and they can't get their refill, and so they go a couple days without their medication. Um, another six will miss just an occasional dose, and then another six take almost all their doses, but they have some timing issues. So maybe that's um, that delayed dose that we sort of talked about remembering, you know, later in the day and taking it anyway. But So why do we care? Why do you guys care? People always talk about cost, or oh, the cost of health care, but really patients should care because it's associated with worsening of disease and increased death in chronic disease states. Um, so say you have diabetes, you feel fine, you don't want to take your medication because you don't like it how it makes you feel, or maybe it's expensive, but then, you know, when you're older, you start to see um, complications, and then by that point, it's really too late to do anything about it. So. Um, maybe kidney problems or eye problems, circulation problems, just diabetes in particular. Um, so that's why patients, um, it's important for patients because we want to see good patient outcomes and we want everybody to feel, feel as best they can. So, and then the increased cost is not just to, you know, Ohio State University, it's to you because it's been shown that between 30 and 70% of all the admissions to hospitals um, that are centered around medications are because people haven't been taking their medications correctly. So, and the cost um, per year to the country, just as a nation in general, is $100 billion a year just from that. So, so it's a huge deal. So now getting into some factors that contribute to poor adherence, and you guys might be able to tell me some of these as well. I know I have trouble with, um, <laughs> like I said, the antibiotic that was four times a day, that was hard to do. Um, so treatment of a disease without symptoms, like hypertension, high blood pressure, um, or diabetes, like I said, you don't see those complications until much later, and then it's really too late. Um, my grandmother, you know, she um, had blood pressures 200 over something, extremely high for her entire life, but they didn't treat her until much later, and then it was really too late to do anything, and she was on all these different medications, 
and she really just felt bad and it was too late to treat the disease. So that's why it's important to treat the chronic conditions when you can. Then complex treatment plans. Um, maybe you have different doctors. Um, maybe your doctor doesn't know what your lifestyle is like. They're trying to fit um, the medications into your lifestyle. Maybe they, he, he or she doesn't know that you travel everywhere and it's not convenient for you to take you know, something that's four times a day, for example. Um, cost is another huge factor. People don't refill their prescriptions on time because maybe they only take one instead of two because it's expensive. Um, poor relationship with the doctor for whatever reason. Maybe it's a lack of access to a doctor that you really like. Um, maybe you don't care for your physician, you know, or maybe you have to see a different physician every time you go, and so it's hard to establish that relationship. And then missed appointments for whatever reason, um, be it that you just forget, because, you know, life happens, and sometimes you just forget. <laughs> so, um, or just having problems getting to the doctor's office, things like that. Then cognitive and psychological problems are another um, huge thing. People that have psychoses, for example, or maybe just, you know, if somebody has clinical depression, they don't necessarily want to take their medication. Um, people that have schizophrenia, for example, they have um, a phase of mania, um, or I'm sorry, bipolar, not schizophrenia, I apologize. Um, and they oftentimes, we've had patients, um, I used to work at a psych hospital, and they would say, well, they don't like to take those medications because they like how they feel in that manic phase. They feel creative, they feel like they have energy, and they don't want to take their antipsychotic. Um, cognitive issues, um, maybe somebody's had a stroke or some other problem, and it's hard to remember. Dementia or Alzheimer's disease, it's hard to remember those things without having a constant um, caregiver by your side. Um, maybe there's a poor understanding of disease by the patient, the doctor, the person that's treating, it just depends. Maybe it's something rare that people don't know a lot about or there's not a lot of studies about. Um, poor follow-up by the doctor or the office maybe. It may not be the doctor's fault. Maybe the office staff forgets to call with your lab results or they don't call about reminding um, you to come in for your follow-up appointments, things like that. Lack of patient buy-in, and that's just a phrase that they throw around at the medical center sometimes. Um, if you as a patient don't think that you need to be treated or you kind of don't believe in um, kind of what the doctor may be saying or just, you know, maybe it contradicts to the information that you have about the medication. Concern about taking drugs. Some people just don't like to take the medications. Limited social support because, as I said before, um, people that have a good social, a close-knit social network tend to do better as far as adherence is concerned. Um, substance abuse, physical problems. So maybe in a stroke patient, they can't open the bottle, so it's hard to take the medication as prescribed unless they lay everything out a week in, in advance. Um, anger about the illness or other feelings about the illness that may be a denial stage. Um, and then side effects, of course, that's a huge one. So I'm just going to focus a little bit more on cost and side effects because um, at retail pharmacy anyway, this is what people tend to um, talk to the pharmacists and the pharmacy interns about. So cost concerns. I encourage um, you, I don't know if you guys use retail pharmacies when you get prescriptions filled or if you do the mail order, but even if you do mail order, um, I know they have um, pharmacists that you can speak with as well. But um, always talk to people about generics. Um, Brian, who I'm working with here, um, he was actually, he hired me at my first pharmacy job seven years ago. And one of the things that he always liked to do with patients was to look at their medications and say, okay, what can I, how can I save you money? Be it um, changing the strength 
maybe you're on something that's 40 milligrams and it's cheaper to take two 20s a day. There's just all these little idiosyncrasies about cost that pharmacists can kind of play around with just because they have access to the pricing information and then also your refill record to see when you're getting things filled and all the medications that you've gotten at least, you know, at that same store or that same chain of pharmacies. Um, and then talking with your physician, because you know there's no way a doctor can know the price of every medication that's out there. They can't possibly know the, all the formularies of all the different insurance plans that all their patients have. So um, that communication with the doctor can be very helpful because if you get an antibiotic and you go to the pharmacy and it's $300, and the doctor just saw a good study and said, oh, that's a great antibiotic, I want you to have that, and then maybe the next time you go in, just you know, let he or she know. They're not gonna think that that's condescending for you to tell them what your experience was there. And then, um, like I said, I know at Ohio State you have an open formulary, so I believe most things are covered at least to some extent, but if you just Google, if it's a, you know, an expensive medication or something that doesn't have a generic, if you just Google for um, assistance for certain medications, a lot of times there's vouchers, coupons, things you can print off. Um, for drugs that can often be, you know, thousands of dollars. So, and then this is just a comment that I found, which I thought was appropriate before we discuss side effects. So, we feel like that sometimes when we're counseling at the pharmacy, so. undesirable side effects. I'm sure you guys can think of many. Um, nausea, weight gain, sexual dysfunction, drowsiness, sleep changes, dry mouth, blurred vision. So I'm just going to kind of hit these briefly just with some common tips that we often give people as far as dealing with them. So and obviously if they're unbearable then you know by all means let your healthcare provider know. But um, nausea, most important thing, if you can take it with food, by all means, because a lot of times that really does help, or even just having some milk or something that's going to coat the stomach, that can really help with nausea. Um, and then also keeping well hydrated. Hydration is a huge thing with a lot of side effects as well. Um, and it usually does subside. Nausea is one of the side effects that usually people become tolerant to over time if it's something that you're taking chronically. And then weight gain, people love that. Um, yeah, this is your medication, and sometimes people gain 20 or 30 pounds on this. I mean, that's really hard to sell. You know, you may be feeling better, but if you gain a bunch of weight, it's not going to make you want to take your medication. So they may have to play around with the dose or even change the drug um, after a while with that. But we just try to tell people um, regular exercise, be it walking or swimming or whatever, and then just trying to focus on that healthy diet, not changing your eating habits too much if you can help it. And some drugs do, you know, make you want to eat more. So that's something that you can definitely talk with your physician about as well. And then sexual dysfunction, they actually do um, drug holidays with that. So maybe on the weekend they'll say, okay, just don't take your drug for a couple of days. Um, and then changing the dose, maybe even just when you take the medication, that can make a huge difference as well. Drowsiness, that's also a huge thing. You take it in the morning and it makes you sleepy and then you, you know, feel like a slug at work. So if you can take it at night, that's great. If you can't, um, then I usually suggest starting out taking your first dose. You know, if it's something you have to take two or three times a day, take that first dose later so that you're not falling asleep already at 8 o'clock and you're feeling lethargic through the day. Um, let me see if I have anything else. And exercise has actually been found to help with that as well. So exercise and hydration are really important things just as far as um, healthy living goes, but also when it comes to taking the medications, it seems to lessen the side effects to some extent. Um, dry mouth, that's also very annoying. Um, but 
we actually, there's actually a rinse that I just saw um, at a drugstore the other day that's specifically for dry mouth. But some of the more old school methods that we usually say are just, you know, carry a bottle of water, take some sips of water, um, suck on hard candy, um, things like that as well. And then um, blurred vision, having regular eye appointments. Um, I think there was something else that I, about blurred vision that somebody just told me that I wanted to say. Oh yeah, and re-wetting drops actually can sometimes help with that as well. But, you know, if you have severe blurred vision, that's a pretty serious one because you shouldn't be driving, so um, I would probably defer to talking to your doctor about that one. And then, let's see what's next. Constipation, that's another one that um, tends to subside over time. Unless you're taking um, narcotic painkillers for a really long time, that does not go away. So you may need a stool softener or a laxative or something with that as well. Um, but drinking plenty of water, increasing your fruit and vegetable intake, um, getting adequate fiber, and then using that stool softener and some of those other options if that doesn't work. And then dizziness, rising slowly, trying to take it at the end of the day versus when you need to be driving and alert at work. And then anxiety, um, some of the SSRIs, which are antidepressants, um, sometimes you'll see those anxiety initially so again that's something to be patient with maybe for the first week but that's another one where you know it's quality of life so if you're anxious and you're not depressed that doesn't really matter so they may need to change the dose in the drugs but again um, there's so many uh, drugs that you can use in that class of drugs that um, usually people can find at least one that they feel okay about and then communication is something else I'm hitting pretty hard on, but just um, talk with your healthcare team because they really do, you know, you see the doctor for five or ten minutes, and but they really do want to hear what you're saying. So, I mean, I tend to write things down that I want to ask and then write down what they tell me because I won't remember it, you know, after, you know, they usually give you a bevy of information and then it's hard to remember it later, so. They actually did a survey of patients just asking them why they thought they had trouble remembering their medication. So that goes back to those questions we talked about originally. But the biggest problem is just forgetting. You know, it's just hard. People are busy. It's hard to remember to bring your pillbox with you to work if you need it, um, things like that. Then the second one was drugs not fitting into the lifestyle. So like I said, maybe you travel or, you know, maybe you do something that's outside and it's not convenient to have all your, you know, your... You know, if you're diabetic and you have insulin and whatnot, that can be really hard as far as storage conditions and things like that. Um, and then choosing to miss doses, and they didn't specify specifically what made the people choose to miss doses, but I would think cost and side effects would be um, big ones with those as well. My grandmother, when she, um, she has congestive heart failure, and she will sometimes just have her dose. Oh, I don't feel as bad today, so I'm not going to take it because, you know, it causes side effects that she doesn't like. So people, I think people do that a lot. Incomplete information. Maybe you don't feel like you have enough information. Um, maybe you didn't get counseled at the pharmacy. I really hope that you did, <laughs> but um, maybe maybe you didn't. Maybe they were busy. Um, maybe you didn't feel comfortable asking the doctor questions, or maybe what the doctor said or what the pharmacist said contraindicates with something else that you read about maybe on the internet or in a book. So that can be frustrating. And then fifth was they don't know. So you know it's just hard to remember. So that kind of goes back to writing things down. Um, I I would you know, suggest maybe writing down, you know, why did I, why did I miss this dose? Why is this medication hard for me to take? Um, and then talk with your doctor about that. Okay. 
And then just some um, barriers briefly, which we sort of already touched on, but just kind of um, dividing those out. So on the provider side, complex regimens can be prescribed by the physician. Maybe you didn't get a good um, discussion about benefits and side effects, um, cost issues, because like I said, the physician can't possibly know the cost of every medication on every healthcare plan. Um, maybe they don't understand your lifestyle needs. Um, and then the relationship with patient, like I said, if you have a poor relationship with your doctor, it's going to be really hard to get the most out of your, um, your regimen. On the health system side, so managed care, insurance side, you have formularies, um, co-payments and cost shares. So um, here with your tier three drugs, you have a 30% co-insurance, I believe, and 70% that um, the plan will pay for. But you know, if it's a drug that costs $3,000 and you're getting it every month, 30% is still going to be a lot. So, and then provider access. Um, I'm guessing you guys probably all live in the Columbus area, so you have a lot of access to different providers, but maybe there's some employees maybe out in the Newark area or spread out that it's hard to get to a doctor um, that Ohio State will cover or um, go to a doctor that they want to go to. So I don't know all the ins and outs of your insurance plan. but. And then this is just a nice chart that I found um, just because it's showing the relationship that it really is a multifaceted issue. It's not just the doctor handing you a prescription and telling you to get it filled, um, but that just kind of hits on those points that we touched on as well. Um, so there are four main targets that researchers have determined will help to improve adherence. So they want to hit patient education to make sure that patients have a complete knowledge about all their medications, side effects, benefits, costs. Um, increasing provider access, and I thought it was interesting because I don't know if you guys ever get frustrated trying to make an appointment at the doctor's office when you're working, but you know when you're on lunch break the office is closed and then they close at four on Friday when you might get off early and it's really hard to get a hold of people unless you go to an urgent care um, or something of that nature. So they were actually suggesting um, at least having maybe a phone operator that's there until you know eight or nine at night so people can at least make appointments or ask questions um, and then that phone operator can sort of delineate you know which calls are important if it's an emergency you know go to the hospital versus you know just discussing it tomorrow with the doctor um, or even just keeping the physician's offices open later maybe just one night a week um, there's a pharmacy where I did one of my rotations and they kept their pharmacy. They were only open until 5 because it's, um, it's a closed system pharmacy, so it's just for the, their, this particular company's employees. But then they're open until 9, one day a week, so at least people that get off late can come get their prescriptions, see the physician, and whatnot. So that's a really good idea, I think. And then um, improve communication between the healthcare team and the patient and then alterations in dosing schedules. So trying to stay away from drugs that are four times a day. Um, you know, when they first discovered HIV and the first drugs came out for that, those were nearly impossible to adhere to because they would have 20 or 30 pills they had to take every day. And so, of course, they saw very low adherence rates with those. And now we're seeing a lot better adherence rates since um, things are dosed once and twice a day and there's combination products available and it also helps with the side effect profile as well. So what can you guys do? Communication. It's key. Um, so talk to your doctor and your healthcare team, and then know your insurance plan. I, I'm sure you guys have already probably picked your benefits. I don't know when you have to enroll, but um, you know, read that boring book <laughs> and <laughs> look through the details and see which plan is really right for you as far as the medications that you're taking. Um, and of course, you have to worry about the medical side as well, but specifically with the prescription coverage, you know, make sure that that's going to work out for you. 
and then um, ask about generics and cheaper alternatives. Whenever you get a new prescription, say, so is that, you know, why did you choose? You can ask, I mean, why did you choose this one? Or ask the pharmacist, you know, is this a new drug or is it better than other ones that are available, especially if it's expensive. And then if you have trouble remembering to take them, like I definitely have from time to time, um, use some reminders. So my friend actually, she takes something three times a day. So she puts a sticky note on the refrigerator. So every time she goes for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, um, she's a stay-at-home mom. So she doesn't have to worry about the work issue. But um, at least that reminds her to take her medication three times a day. There are a ton of different products that are available um, if you just Google on the Internet. Beeping alarms and timers that will remind you when to take your dose. And then pill box, it's, it's an old school method, but it really does work. You know, if you just, maybe on Sunday night before the week starts, if you just put every, all your doses out in advance, maybe you have to have one at work so then you don't have to worry about bringing it because um, I don't encourage anybody to leave anything in their car or, <laughs> so, or in their purse. Um, but that's really, that's really a good tool. And then a support system, as I said, is really important. Um, you know, find a friend or your spouse or another family member or even someone from um, your doctor's office you can talk to about this stuff. Um, you know, maybe your husband or your wife takes a medication as well, and then you can kind of say, kind of keep each other accountable. Oh, did you take that? You know, oh, we should take our medicine. And it sounds, you know, silly, but it, it does help. Um, or a friend even that takes something, or maybe they have the same um, chronic condition to deal with, and that way you guys can kind of support each other and then talk about problems that maybe other people wouldn't understand because they're not in the same situation. So, And then make the regimen fit your lifestyle. By all means, don't change your life to fit around the medication because there is a combination that you can find that will be integrated into your lifestyle um, if you um, just do your research and talk to your doctor and your healthcare team. And obviously it doesn't mean that you're not going to have to make any effort because, you know, if you have something that's three times a day, maybe that's the best that they can do. Maybe that's, you know, the only option that's available um, for, or, the, or that is the best choice for you. Um, so then plan ahead for refills and travel and weekends because that's so frustrating when you go to the pharmacy and then you look at your bottle on Sunday and you're like, oh, I'm out of refills. So, um, you know, we don't want you to be out of your medication. So... Um, so just, you know, plan ahead, usually like three days ahead, I say, you know, people, if they're noticing that their bottle's getting low, you know, go to the pharmacy or call ahead. So, and the pharmacy usually is happy to call your doctor for you and things like that as well. So, and then write it down. Um, every time I have my yearly exam with my physician, I write down questions that I'm going to ask, uh, prescriptions that I might need refilled, and then I try to write down um, what he tells me so that I remember for the next time that I see him or if I get sick and I have a question about something or any medication. I think that's really helpful. And then if something isn't working for you, write that down. Or if you think that you're feeling better and you're not having a lot of side effects, that's great. Write that down. Because um, that's really helpful for them to have that information as well. Because, you know, they always ask you, oh, how have you been doing? Oh, how, how are your medications working out for you? But if you haven't really been able to think about it or if you don't have something written down in front of you, it's hard to give them an answer other than, oh, it's fine. <laughs> so. And remember, there's a drug and or a regimen that can work out for you, so don't give up. And are there any questions? Do you guys have any questions? Do you think that I'm here, my mother takes mm -hmm. 10 pills. Okay. She's 87, she okay. has a hard time looking to figure out what to right. do. you think they'd ever put the picture of She has a drug mm -hmm. book thing, but mm -hmm. sometimes all the drugs aren't really there. Right. They're different companies make different right. colors. And that they would, could ever put like just a little picture of the pill on the bottom. It's, um, it's hard with the generics because, you know, there are so many different manufacturers. With the brand names, you can look on um, 
there's a website that the pharmacy may have access to because you have to pay for it. But um, it is. Do you want me to write it on your thing there? It's. Um, we use it at the pharmacy school, and it is. Um, they have a identidex thing, so you can put in the the imprint that's on the pill, and then it'll bring up a picture of it, so you can see it. Um, but certain pharmacies have it, and certain ones don't. So. And then some of the companies, they change her company, and when she used to have a pink belt and then a white, or mm -hmm. it's real confusing. Does she get mail order, or does she, have, or does she go to a retail pharmacy? Okay. Do you like the pharmacy? I mean, does the pharmacist do a good job of counseling? And I mean, do they usually say, oh, this pill's different than, you know? Maybe not enough. Okay. Well, she lives six months in Florida and six months in Ohio. Okay. Do that make we keep with CVS? Okay. Because you can get the pills right. there and have them here. Right, because they're all connected, so it's convenient. And is she, is there, is she, does she live by herself in Florida? Is there anyone that, okay. My brother so lives nearby, but. So she doesn't really have anyone to help her count out all of her pills and everything. Yeah, um, these two, Clinical Pharmacology is a, a website that I know um, Target has access to, and I think Kroger as well. I don't know about CBS, but they, they very well may, or something similar. Um, and then LexiComp is another one, and they both show, they both have functions that show pictures of the medication. And they would be large pictures, but maybe that would be good if she could just at least have um, like a printout of, you know, the ones that she's taking. Well, the pharmacist could probably print it out. So, depending on, I don't want to say every pharmacist, but depending on the store. But my pharmacy is pretty slow, so we tend to do do those kinds of things. So it just kind of depends. But, um, but yeah, I think that would be a great idea if she could have something. So it is really hard when they switch the, or you know, ask. You know, if she goes to the same pharmacy in Florida and Ohio, at least for the six months when she's there, um, you know, I would just ask the pharmacist. I mean, we'll put notes in people's profiles all the time, like, you know, so Mrs., you know, so-and-so likes this brand, or could you not change, you know, the brand? Sometimes the um, people that send the medications, the um, wholesalers, sometimes they just send whatever they have. But um, other times you can just request certain ones. So if you're like, oh, she likes this Teva brand generic, you know, they may just be able to order it for her. So... That's something to ask as well, because that would help with that problem. <laughs> she could just get the same thing. Yeah. So. But. Thank you very much. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for coming. Thank you.